All right, all right, all right. Good morning, New Life Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Great to see you. My name's Glenn Packham. I get to serve as one of the associate uh, senior pastors here at New Life Church. And I was texting with Pastor Brady this morning. He sends his greetings. He continues to rest and study and, and be refreshed. So you're stuck with me for the next three Sundays. Consider that your fair warning. <laughs> Uh, there is so much wonderful ministry that's happening all across the city, like Pastor Brad was saying. Uh, John mentioned it earlier in the worship service, but about 10 days ago, we had 2,000 teenagers from around the country here for Desperation. It was our 20th year of doing the Desperation Student Conference. Absolutely incredible. And then yesterday, you may know this, but yesterday Nueva Vida did an outreach and several of our congregations uh, got involved. One of the joys of my role is I get to oversee uh, our off-site congregations and I was texting with Pastor Jeremias this morning and he said that in their outreach yesterday, 432 kids received backpacks, school uniforms, new shoes, and even haircuts. It was amazing, amazing. Pastor Ken Harmon, who is our outreach pastor at New Life Downtown, he told me, he said, the image that is frozen in his mind was there was this young girl who was just clutching, clinging to her new pair of shoes. And he went and tried to talk to her, but he talked to her older sister and she said, she's never had new shoes in her life. Never had new shoes. This is your giving. This is your generosity that's helping us serve our city well. So glory to God. Let's thank him for what he's doing through you, New Life Church. Well, would you join me in a word of prayer as we open the scriptures this morning? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we sang earlier today, you are good. You are a good God. And you're a speaking God. You're a God who calls to us. You're a God who has revealed himself to us. And thank you that your word is a light to our feet, a lamp to our path, and it gives us wisdom and insight, not just in salvation, but in how to live a flourishing life. And so we ask, come Holy Spirit, come now as we open up these scriptures, guide us, we pray in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. amen. We're in the series called How Do I? And it's a series through the book of Proverbs, which is a collection of wisdom sayings in the Old Testament. And today we're looking at how do we cultivate friendship. Now, my wife Holly is here and three of our four kids are here with her and Holly and I next month will celebrate 20 years of being married. We're very excited about that. And you, you may know this, but my wife is from a small farming community in Iowa. In other words, she's from Iowa. And, um, and years ago when I was going to go visit and meet kind of the family and the extended family, I was kind of nervous about this because she lives in this town where there's a thousand people, there's no stoplight, there's really just one blinking light, a flashing light. And this is a community of people who have known each other for generations. Like the people who taught Holly in school taught her parents in school. And like you go to the church, I mean there's a few churches, there's actually two different Lutheran churches in this very small town. But depending on which Lutheran church you are aligned with, odds are there were three generations that did their weddings in that church and funerals in that church. So very, very tight-knit community. And, uh, and, and I remember going to go, you know, meet them. They'd, I don't think they'd ever met someone from Malaysia before, you know. So I'm striking up a conversation with her grandfather, Gordon, and he looks over at me and he says, okay, lad. He said, uh, do you play pool? 
And I said, uh, not really, don't want to embarrass myself, because if I said yes, he's going to say, let's play, and then it'd be obvious that I don't. And then he said, well, uh, do you like to bowl? And I said, well, I took this class at ORU once about bowling, but no, not really. And then he goes, the classic Midwestern question, do you play cards, right? And I go, well, like, uno, you know? He's like, yeah, that's not the card games we're thinking about. And then he says, well, do you hunt? I thought, this is getting worse. <laughs> I look around at his wall. He's got these stuffed, you know, uh, prizes of his hunts. And I said, no. And he goes, well, do you fish? I said, mm, no. And he just kind of looks at me and he goes, well, lad, what do you do? <laughs> I said, well, I like to read C.S. Lewis. I play music. I write songs. I, you know. We eventually, Gordon and I eventually struck up a friendship over watching football together. He, he was a Vikings fan, I'm a Broncos fan, and we could commiserate about our teams at the time. And over time, by the mercy of God, we, you know, the, the family gave me the honor of preaching at his funeral when he passed a few years ago. But when I think about the story of meeting Gordon, I laugh because friendships do form around common interests. And here was Gordon trying to make a connection, trying to say, well, lad, well, lad what do you do? As C.S. Lewis once said, he said, friendship begins at that moment when you look across and you see someone else enjoying the same activity as you and you say, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. Friendships do forge because of these shared loves. And maybe if you stop for a moment and just let yourself be nostalgic and think of your childhood friendships, how easy it was to make friends as a kid because you're all just running around the neighborhoods together and riding your bikes together and you didn't have to schedule time. It was just you had time. All you had was time. But then as we get older, something happens, doesn't it? We get more responsibilities and there are more have-tos than get-tos and all the burdens of bills and chores and cleaning and fixing and you lose that time to cultivate friendships. Harvard did a study last fall in October about loneliness in America and they discovered that 36% of American adults report serious loneliness and what they mean by serious loneliness is people who said that they feel lonely frequently, almost all the time or all the time. It's about a third of Americans who said, yeah, I feel lonely frequently, almost all the time, or all the time. But that number is even higher when you cut the data to specific groups. In fact, for mothers of young children, as many of you in the room are, 51% of mothers of young children said, yeah, that's me. Half my life, I feel lonely. Young people, you would imagine that with young people, super connected Snapchat, whatever, you're doing all the things. I'm an old dad now of teenagers. 61% of young people between 18 and 25 said, actually, I feel very lonely. Frequently, almost all the time, or all the time. 43% of young adults reported an increase in loneliness since the pandemic. I cannot tell you how happy it made us to see this room jam-packed with teenagers a week and a half ago. Young people craving this connection, time with one another. And the question that we're going to wrestle with this morning and go to the scriptures for wisdom on is how do we cultivate friendships? How do we do this? So I want to offer three things. There's so much that could be said. We could do a whole series on this, but we're going to do one sermon on this. So here's three things this morning from Proverbs. The first, how to cultivate friendship. And the first is this, 
invest diversely. Invest diversely. And what I mean is you need many different types of friendships. Some of you that manage finances and portfolios, you understand this. You're like, well, you need lots of different things so that if one investment's doing okay, but the other is not, it sort of evens out. In some ways, we need to think about relationships as investing in different kinds of relationships. Some relationships ebb and flow, they breathe. Sometimes it might feel like things are working really well and other times it, it, it may not. But maybe the best way to illustrate the different types of relationships I'm thinking of is to draw on the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the Fellowship of the Ring. And I want to suggest to you that Proverbs invites us to think about different kinds of voices in our life. And the first is a voice that we might call the sage. This is Gandalf. Gandalf is the friend that you need. That He's not walking with you in the whole journey, but he shows up at the strategic moments to get you to maybe take a step beyond what you were thinking. You're like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. He's like, it's okay, I signed you up anyway. <laughs> Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. About 10 years ago or so, a friend of mine named Dan invited me out to lunch. And Dan and I actually weren't friends yet, but I'd known his kids. His kids had been in the mill, the college ministry, where I led worship for many, many years. And about 10 years ago, Dan said, hey, Glenn, I want to get to know you. And I said, okay. I was in my 30s. He was in his 50s. And he said, we're going to go out to lunch. I'll pay. You pray. And then I'll ask questions and you'll talk. And I was like, okay. So we started doing it, started going to lunch at Panera right here at Shops at Briargate and he would ask me these questions and I would ask him questions and he, I would ask him about, about fatherhood and about uh, marriage and, and I would ask him about different, different things about life. And then finally, after several times of meeting together, Dan said to me, he said, Glenn, you're a little overweight. <laughs> and he said, I want you to live a long, healthy life. So we're gonna go running together. I said, Dan, I don't run. He said, it's obvious. <laughs> and he said, we're going to do this. And so three times a week, he would text my phone. Like, all right, tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., we're going. I'm like, oh, Dan, no. And th there were some days when it was like cold and snowy, you know, like February. I'm like, Dan, I can't do this. Like, I don't want to go to the Santa Fe Trail at the Northgate Trailhead here at the Air Force Academy. He goes, Glenn, we're going. I was like, Dan, I grew up in Malaysia. He says, you've lived in America for over 20 years. You got no excuses anymore. <laughs> I was like, all right. And we went. And over that, the course of doing that, we'd run together and then we'd stop and we'd talk. And he'd pray for me, I'd pray for him. And I got to be a witness to a pivotal post-retirement decision for him, and he got to guide me in all kinds of different life decisions. I want to be an, just encourage you in the room, if you're in your 50s and your 60s, and you're like, I don't know, I, I think I'm a Gandalf, but where's my Frodo, you know? <laughs> Listen, it's Gandalf that goes knocking on Frodo's door. And I just want to encourage you that maybe you think you're on the sidelines, you're past the point of, in, of giving anything to anyone. That's not true. We need you here at New Life Church. And maybe you find someone, you're like, that, that young buck's 20 years younger than me. I don't know. If it, who, you know. Just introduce yourself. Ask him out to coffee. You, you don't have to say, hello, I'm your mentor. <laughs> Just start with a coffee. See what happens out of this. 
Everybody needs a sage in their life. But the Lord of the Rings also, and Proverbs, also shows that we all need an Aragorn. We all need an Aragorn, the king. I know some of you single ladies are like, I really need an Aragorn. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. Proverbs 27 verse 5 says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. What I'm talking about is the friend in your life who can tell you the truth even when it hurts. The king is the one who can say, uh-uh, we're not going there. Nope, we're not doing that thing. Nope, don't listen. That post you're about to do on Facebook, uh-uh, no. <laughs> no, we're not, we're not doing that. In my life, that's Pastor Brady. In fact, there are many things outside of the work context that I'll you know, get his advice on, from brisket slicing to other things. Several years ago in 2013 or 2012, when I was contemplating doing a doctoral program in the UK and going over for one week out of the year, and I said, what do you think? Should I do this? And he said, this is definitely what you should do. This is, uh, I think the Lord is in this, but he said, but I think during that season when you're traveling over to the UK, you should say no to every other side invitation. Now, I could have said, you don't have the right to tell me what I do in my free time. It's my side stuff. I can do what I want to do. You're not the boss of me. Well, I mean, not in that area. You know? <laughs> but everybody needs an Aragorn in their life, someone who can say, that, that, no. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I accept that. And so for a couple of years, there was, there was no or very, very minimal outside travel, and I gave myself fully to the school, and my wife is grateful for that. I don't know that... I don't know that you're going to have a friend that just voluntarily starts commanding stuff in your life. In fact, that might be unhealthy if they're trying to control you. But you have to give people permission. There ought to be one or two people in your life that you give permission to and you say, you know, I just need you to be honest with me. Is this relationship choice wise? Is this job decision smart? Is what, tell, I need you to be the voice of truth that can tell me no in my life. Everybody needs an Aragorn. And, and, and then thirdly, you kind of need the dwarves. Now the dwarves are like the peer. They're like the peer. They're like the, the friend that is in a similar station, a stage of life. Proverbs calls it, describes it this way. Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I think of the peer, and if you know Lord of the Rings, you know the dwarves are not always there. Sometimes they're fighting on different fronts, but in the same war. So this is not necessarily a colleague at work, but maybe a, another entrepreneur. Or maybe this is like not someone that you're in a small group with, but it's like, but they're, they're in the same stage of life. And every once in a while we check in and say, hey, you're raising teenagers, we're raising teenagers. Are you seeing, oh, okay, so that's, okay, good. Yeah, no, us too. Or work stuff or questions about whatever stage you're at. These are peers that they're, again, they're not in the same fight, but they're in the same war. I have some friends, three other pastors who are different cities around the country. A couple years ago, we started a Zoom group before Zoom was all the rage, you know. And we would get together once a month and for 90 minutes, we'd just share. And it was so helpful to have people in different contexts, but similar work. Say, how's this going for you? Oh, that's good. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And we could compare notes. You, we need peers that can be like iron sharpening Iron. Maybe a fourth picture of this is Elrond, the healer. <laughs> the friend who can speak a word of healing to you. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. 
Proverbs 27, 9, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Some people call this spiritual friendships where you're specifically getting together so that we can prayerfully pay attention to what God is doing in each of our lives. And this is the friend that they know the deeper places and they could even put their finger on that place of pain and say, I wonder if this is coming from that childhood abandonment thing that you experienced. Or I wonder if this is, and oftentimes we, want it, we don't want to stop and be healed. We want to just keep going on and on. But even in the Lord of the Rings, Frodo needs that wound of the dagger's poison to be healed in him. And for many of you, maybe after this last season, you're like, I need to see someone. And maybe it's not a friend in a traditional sense, but it's counseling. It's a spiritual director. I began years ago seeing a spiritual director and for several years would see him once a month. And then it switched to once a quarter and then a couple times a year and we've taken a break for a few years now but we all need someone that can help check up on what's going on in our soul. And sometimes in church the lie is that if we really just prayed and read our Bibles more we wouldn't need help. Can I just say that's not true. There's a reason we help host the Springs Mental Health Summit every year because we all need someone to be a healer in our life. Speak a word that identifies the wounds but lifts up the heart. Now, Holly trained as a counselor early in our marriage and I think that's really helped our marriage over the years, just her being a counselor. <laughs> the final kind of picture of a friend that I, when I say invest diversely in different kinds of relationships, think about Samwise. This is like the brother or the sister. This is the one who will not abandon you. This is the scene, by the way, if you're, if you're not a Lord of the Rings fan, this is getting really old. I'm sorry, this is the last one. But you know, hey. This is that scene where, where Sam says to Frodo, I can't carry the ring, Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you, yes. And all the men started leaking awesomeness out of their eyes. Proverbs 18:24. one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We don't need all our friends to be like Sam, but it'd be great to have one. It'd be great to have one. You, you don't need every friendship to be your like, this is my foxhole friend. Not all of them are going to be like that. Some of them might be the sage. Some of them might be the kings. They might fill different voices in your life. But you got to have one that's like, this is the one that no matter what I'm going through, they're sticking it out with me through all the ups and downs of businesses failing and starting, marriages falling apart. This is the, the, the friend. One of the great images for investing diversely in friendships is to think about a constellation. It's great to have a north star, but we need constellations to navigate. That's what sailors use, is a whole constellation. And so I want to maybe say to some of you who are like, oh, I wish I've been looking for this person, this, but I, I just can't find it. I'm not happy. Maybe I need another church. Maybe I need another small group. Maybe I need a, maybe, maybe, maybe. Or maybe you've been looking for that one perfect friend. And what we instead need is a constellation of voices, lights that can guide us in different ways. The second thing that Proverbs says to us, not just invest diversely, but secondly, plan intentionally. Plan intensely. We talked about how childhood friendships happen just in the course of life, just on the weekends, just in free time. But as we grow, we need to actually plan intentionally. Several years ago, the University of Kansas did a study 
of how many hours it takes to become friends. How many hours does it take to become friends? And they discovered that you need 50 hours spent, and this is what they said, spent at leisure or at home or at play, some sort of relaxed setting. You need 50 hours to go from an acquaintance to a casual friendship. 50 hours, 50 hours from an acquaintance to a casual friendship. But then it takes 200 hours to get to be close friends with someone. Plan intentionally. You don't get 200 hours accidentally. You don't get 200 hours just by like, well, you know, it just sort of happened. It happens on purpose. And I was thinking this morning about all the ministries at New Life Church that are getting ready to launch back up. We've got men's fire teams are looking for new leaders, fire teams of these groups of men that get together and pray and strengthen one another all around the city. Women's ministries launching different kinds of groups this fall. One of them being led by my wife Holly is going to lead a group on emotionally healthy spirituality. All these different ministries that are launching up all over the church. Family Care, Jenny Mason hosts these critical conversations to help us. How do we talk to our teens about anxiety and depression? That's the next one that's coming up. Section communities, section parties that launch back up in August. You're like, man, why is New Life Church doing all this? You're just trying to keep us busy. We're not trying to keep you busy. We're trying to help you belong. We're trying to help you belong. Our heart for you is not just to show up. Brad said this this morning. It's not just to show up and enjoy a great Sunday. Sundays are awesome. And then we're supposed to scatter out in little pockets of relationship and community and form deep and meaningful friendship. It's what the early Christians called fellowship. The sharing of our lives with one another. And then that sharing of our lives in turn spills out and witnesses to the world. The early Christians were able to witness not because they had the best songs. The early Christians were able to witness not because they had amazing preachers. The early Christians were able to multiply the church because their friendship and belonging was so tight that other people said, how do I get in on that? That's why we do what we do at New Life Church. Not to keep you busy, but to help you belong. I moved to America when I was 10 years old. First time I moved with our family and we lived in Portland, Oregon. We lived on this great street and had several friends from the church and from school that were on that street. And I just remember every Saturday we'd get on our bikes and we'd ride. We'd ride to the park. We'd play football and we got tired of that. We'd drive down to the candy store and uh, you could buy Tootsie Rolls for a penny and we'd buy a bunch of those and then we'd play poker. I didn't know how to play poker so I lost all my Tootsie Rolls. But it was like, this is easy, you can rack up 200 hours quick. Seven or eight years ago, I was sitting in an auditorium in Queens, New York with Holly and we were attending a conference on emotionally healthy spirituality and leadership. And and one of the exercises was to write down your rhythms or your habits for different areas of your life. So the first area was write down your rhythms or habits for prayer. And I was like, oh, great, you know, I got that. Write down your rhythms for rest. And by the grace of God, we had, you know, kind of had like the Sabbath thing and we were able to, you know, film that out. Then one of them was your rhythms of work. I'm like, oh, I can fill a page with this. This is, you know. And then the last box was write down your rhythms for relationship. Like when you spend time investing in relationship. And I remember sitting there in this auditorium in Queens holding my pen just thinking, huh. 
I didn't know that I could do that. Like that seems like a luxury. Like who's got time for that? You know, like what are we, like 15? Hey, you want to go to the mall today, you know? But I realized that actually this is part of how God designed us. And if we can be intentional about so many other things, how come we can't be intentional about friendships? And I realized that sometimes in ministry, I thought, oh, I, I shouldn't actually choose who I'm spending time with. I should just be available to respond to everyone who wants to spend time with me. And I, I do try to respond. Everybody who emails and asks, I, it might take a week or two, or, or what, but, but I'll do it. But as I sat there in Queens, I thought, but I'm missing something else. Where are the people that I want to choose to invest in? And then I realized how lucky I am to have friends that I've known for 25 years who live in this same city. I got John Egan, I got Brad Baker, I got Jeremiah Parks, I got all of these friends. And, and so I'm sitting there in this auditorium in Queens and instead of filling in my workbook, I start texting people. I'm like, hey, what do you think if once a month we, and I'm sending out these group texts and instantly all these guys are writing back right away, yes, I'm in, say when. And, and what do you think if maybe once a year we, we go away on a retreat, which we are doing in a couple of weeks. Yes, I'm in. Tell me I'm there. And all of a sudden there's this hunger. People are saying, I never knew I could actually schedule and put in my calendar time with friends. But that's what planning intentionally looks like. And I wonder, maybe you make a note, if you're taking notes or if you're on your phone, just, just make a little note. Write down this question that you can pray about this week. Ask the Lord, who are the relationships that you want me to invest in this fall. Just take this fall, August, all the way up to December. And this is how Holly and I pray about this. Twice a year, we, we, we tend to go away on a retreat, and, and this is one of the questions we pray about. And think of it in, in concentric circles, not, not like these are my besties and these, not like that, but concentric circles in terms of frequency of time. So maybe there's, a, there's one or two people that you're like every week or twice a month. Then maybe there's another circle, like once a month, we'll do a dinner party at our house with these couple folks and then you're like well maybe once a quarter and then maybe once a year and just fill in some of those names as you pray about it in your journal and say Lord who are the ones to invest in? and that ebbs and flows it might change this season it might be like I really need to pour into these relationships and then it, it that might breathe that that might bump to a once a quarter thing next year but pray about this how can I prayerfully and intentionally cultivate this okay the third thing how do we cultivate friendships? Thirdly, love consistently. Love consistently. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. It's difficult to be this kind of friend. People want to be around others when, when life is good. If you've, you're in the room or you're watching online and you've been through something difficult, maybe a death in the family. You understand that there's an Im immediate sort of surge of people bringing meals and showing up, but it tends to kind of dribble out. And a month later, two months later, you're like, I'm still grieving, but does anybody want to hear my sad story? And we understand that it's difficult to be that friend that loves consistently. When they're not fun to be around. I've been in New Life for 21 years and 
I remember in late 2006, early 2007, when all of a sudden all of the quote-unquote friends that loved us because things were going good, <laughs> loved us to be at conferences and all of a sudden with the band, with John and I and Jared, and we get uninvited from things. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's interesting. But the ones of us who rallied together and were around each other, those are the foxhole friends that you're like, that, that goes deep. That's a, a story that we'll cherish because those bonds were forged deeply. There was a study, it's the longest longitudinal study, that means just a study done over a long period of time, that began in 1938 tracking students at Harvard and at the time in 1938 it was all males and so they followed these men from 1938 till 2017. And they tracked 268 students and it's a study on happiness. It's the longest longitudinal study ever done and it was a study on happiness. And they wanted to know, we followed these young men from their late teens, early 20s, all the way to the end. What is the key? <laughs> and here's what their conclusion, the report in 2017 reported. Close relationships, more than money or fame, are what kept people happy throughout their lives. And the report said those ties protect people better from life's discontents, delayed mental and physical decline, and were better predictors of long and happy lives than social class, IQ, or even genetics. Long, deep friendships. Love consistently. Every friendship is going to be tested. You, know, you stick with it long enough, you're, you're going to say something that offends someone, that upsets them. You're going to have to have these conversations of like, so... <laughs> And I, I, I always think it's a good practice to have frequent check-ins rather than big blow-ups. It's like driving a car, you know, on the interstate. It's always better to make these small adjustments than to fall asleep at the wheel, drift, and then wah! And then it's like, can we go out to coffee? You never blah, blah, blah. It's like, wow, whoa, 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 whoa. What if we just done frequent check-ins? Like, hey, did I say something that, or hey, when you said this, I... And you're, you're able to sort of do that in, in safe ways. Daniel Grothy has a saying, he says, I'm, I, I'm suspicious of people whose closest friends are their newest friends. I like that. That's the man who wrote Chasing Wisdom, by the way. I like that. Because if you can't love consistently, then it's hard to stay friends for a long time. But here's the truth. We come to the end of this now and you're like, well, <laughs> Glenn, I don't know if you realize this, but that, those are hard things to do. You're right. In fact, some of them are down, down, downright impossible. And all of us have failed, will fail, are going to fail. So what do we do? Is this just sort of a, a TED talk on friendship where we give good advice? Is that all the Bible has to offer us? It, it, that is not. Proverbs can give us the path of wisdom. But the scriptures go on and show us what wisdom looks like in the flesh. John 1 says, in the beginning was the logos, the word, the very wisdom of God, Jesus. And the word became flesh. 
Proverbs gives us these clues into the life of wisdom and the flourishing human life and what it looks like to be truly and fully human as God made us to be. But it's only Jesus who makes that life possible. And when we look closely at Jesus, the embodiment of wisdom, what we see is, wait a minute, Jesus invested diversely, didn't he? Look at the people he called to himself. Tax collectors, sinners, fishermen. You're like, Jesus, you really know how to pick them. <laughs> Thank God he does. Thank God he saved me and saved you. And the church that grew out of this movement of following Jesus, these followers of Jesus built the most radically reconciled community the world has ever known. There's all this chatter in our world today about diversity and reconciliation and justice. Listen, you know what the early church had? They didn't have fancy theories of this or that. The early church had Jesus and they had the gospel. And the gospel fit together men and women from every tribe and tongue, Jews and Gentiles, slaves and frees, rich and poor, young and old, married or single, and put them together in a single family. Why? Because Jesus is the one who started it that way. Jesus started it that way. Jesus started it that way. Not only did Jesus invest diversely, but Jesus planned intentionally. He did all of these three things. You're like, wait a minute, how did he plan intentionally? Oh, I don't know. Remember how Paul says, before the foundation of the world, God chose you? How's that for intentional? Like, I'm not asking you about next year. God's like, before I make anything, I just want to know, uh, what are you doing in 2020? <laughs> what are you doing in 2021? What are you doing in 2022? I chose you. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you, planned intentionally. And Jesus loves consistently. In fact, Jesus is the only friend who never fails. The only friend who never fails. Who won't betray us. Who won't, when we open up and come to him in our mess, won't say, ooh, I think this is it. In fact, look at this in John 15. John 15 is a great chapter of Jesus with his disciples, one of his final conversations with them before the cross. And Jesus says, greater love is no one than this, but to lay down one's life for one's friends. I'm going to show you this. Greater love. And then he says, you are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus is like, I'm sharing it with you. I'm not just asking you to come and open up to me. I'm sharing with you. There is this fellowship that's happening. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And then Jesus says, and this is my command, love each other. I want you to notice something here, church. Jesus doesn't start by saying, love each other. Just do it. Just love each other. Jesus starts by saying, I love you. I love you. And I'm laying down my life for you. I chose you. And I'm going to love sacrificially for you. This is what I'm trying to say to us this morning. Our love for each other is only possible 
because of Christ's love for us. That's what makes Christian friendship different than any other friendship in the world is our friendship is to be fueled by, formed by, driven by the love of Christ himself. That in a sense, when we abide in him and say, Jesus, I'm going to come close to you and receive your friendship, then actually it's Jesus who offers his friendship through us to others. And so in those moments when you're like, I don't know how to be a friend to this person right now, you can pray when you've lost all other ideas. You could say, Jesus, would you be a friend to them through me? Would you be a friend to them through me? I, I, I really don't know how. But our love for each other is only possible because of Christ's love for us. Chances are you're listening to this, watching this, sitting in the room this morning, and you're like, man, I, I, my relationships are in shambles. I, I, I've, I've had friends that hurt me, betrayed me, called me names, cut me off, canceled me, blocked me, muted me. We've been through a lot the last year and a half. And maybe you're like, yeah, and the casualty of all of that, one of some of the casualties that are my friendships, my friendships I don't even know anymore. I get it. It's a painful thing. Others of you say, well, it's not quite like that. Actually, I'm the reason. I sort of went on a rant and burned some bridges and I, I, I don't know what to do. Whether you're wounded and hurt or whether you're remorseful and sorry all of us can come to Jesus today the word of the Lord for all of us is start with Jesus today John 15 is also the great chapter where Jesus says before all this abide in me and I'll abide in you and then you're going to produce if you're wondering where to start, you're like, I don't even know where to start. I feel like I'm starting over with my friends. Oh, okay. Start with Jesus today. Say, Jesus, put my heart back together. Jesus, show me the places where I have failed. Jesus, cleanse me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, help me with my words. Jesus, teach me to say I'm sorry to friendships that I need to go and repair. Jesus, teach me to humble myself with people that I need to go and say, I, man, I, I was wrong. Jesus, give me the courage with friends where I need to say, hey, could I share with you when you said this, this is the impact on me. This is the, the, how I felt in that moment. Jesus, help me to have hard, frequent conversations that save relationships and avoid shipwrecks. But wherever you are this morning, good, bad, in a place of pain, I want to invite you to start with Jesus today. Would you bow your heads with me? We stand together, we get ready to worship. Jesus, you're the friend that never fails. You're the friend that chose us. We didn't even know how to call your name and you chose us. You're the one who forms the lonely into families. You're the one who forms a community of people unlike any other in the earth. What we're asking for at New Life Church and in our own lives is that you would form deep friendships, genuine fellowship, the sharing of life, sharing of spiritual life, joys and laughter, tears and sorrows, 
Do it for the glory of your name. Do it so they're witnesses to the world. And do it so we would grow to become like you. And so Jesus, we're coming to you, starting with you this morning. In Jesus' name.
join me this morning and grab your elements as we get ready to receive. How fitting it is that on a morning where we've been learning and seeking wisdom about friendships, that the culminating moment of our service is the table of the Lord, where we remember it's Jesus, the great lover of our soul. That Jesus, the friend that will never disappoint us, who is always welcoming us and saying, I'm here for you. I'm the faithful friend. I see you, I know you, I love you, I welcome you, I receive you. It's beautiful, my friends. And the only thing that makes our love for one another possible is the fact that Jesus first loves us. This great feast of love that we come to this morning, we remember that It was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took the bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, whenever you receive it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. Before we wrap things up, can we just take a minute and say thank you to the Lord for his great friendship to us? Who are we that God would call us his friends? Thank you, Lord. Maybe for you in this moment, you just say, thank you, Lord, for being my perfect friend. Thank you, Lord, for being the faithful one. Thank you, Lord, for your great love. He will never leave us or forsake us. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. And because of his love, he makes friendship, community fellowship possible here among us, regardless of the barriers. Church this morning, a couple things I wanna challenge you with. If you need prayer for anything, don't leave right away. Don't run to your car. We'd love the chance. Our prayer team's gonna come right now. We're gonna be down here. We'd love to just pray over you. Maybe. You're sitting here thinking about a, a friendship. Maybe you're, you're in a place where you need healing from a wound and that, you, that, you've, that was inflicted on you or that you inflicted, that you just want prayer over that relationship in your life. We, we'd love that chance. Also, if you're new in the last few weeks, we'd love a chance to connect with you. We have a place called Connect Central out in our lobby, out these doors to the left. We'd love to shake your hand, get to know you, give you a gift, tell you how you can be more involved in our church. We just open your hands. I want a prayer, a prayer of commissioning of benediction of sending out church new life church may you be reminded today that God loves you and he will always be your perfect friend and may he give you insight to see 
What relationships in your life that you need to pursue? May you have deep connections with people that bring life to your heart and remind you of who you are and who God is. May your life be filled with the richness that only comes from the Spirit of God. Go in peace. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.